Job chapter 35. We're going to begin our reading in verse number 1 and, and read that. There's only 16 verses here. We're just going to go ahead and read it all. <clears throat> won't take very long and to help us uh, kind of wrap our mind around what's going on. Well, we get busy in the world, don't we? Get busy and, and really rush in, rush around. Man, got to get to church. and been a long day, heavy day. Maybe haven't gotten supper yet or whatever. Your stomach's growling. Just don't pay any attention to it, all right? Don't pay any attention to it. We'll get out of here and get something to eat. But let's wrap our mind around the Word of God. You know, I'm so thankful that we have the Bible, and I really don't understand churches that don't preach the Bible. I mean, if they don't, I don't know what, what else they have to go by. But I'm thankful we have it, and I'm thankful that God can use it to speak to our hearts very clearly if we are just tuned in. And sometimes it's harder. Some days it's harder to get tuned in than other days, isn't it, Brother Ron? I mean, it's just harder. But tonight I hope we'll tune in because I believe God has something for us. Job 35, verse 1, Elihu spake moreover and said, Thinkest thou this to be right, that thou saidest my righteousness is more than God's? For thou saidest, what advantage will it be unto thee? And what profit shall I have if I be cleansed from my sin? I will answer thee, and thy companions with thee. Look unto the heavens and see, and behold the clouds which are higher than thou. If thou sinnest, what doest thou, what, what doest thou against him? Or if thy transgressions be multiplied, what doest thou unto him? If thou be righteous, what givest thou him? Or what receiveth he of thine hand? Thy wickedness may hurt a man as thou art, and thy righteousness may profit the son of man. By reason of the multitude of oppression, oppressions, they make the oppressed to cry. They cry out by reason of the arm of the, of the mighty. But none saith, where is God my maker? who giveth songs in the night, who teacheth us more than the beast of the earth, and maketh us wiser than the fowls of the heaven. There they cry, but none giveth answer, because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not hear vanity, neither will the Almighty regard it. Although thou sayest thou shalt not see him, yet judgment is before him, therefore trust thou in him. But now, because it is not so, he hath visited in his anger, excuse me, yet he knoweth it not in great extremity, therefore doth Job open his mouth in vain, he multiplieth words without knowledge. Now leave your Bible open there, we're going to revisit some of these verses uh, tonight, and uh, the title of the message is, Does It Pay to Be Good? Does it pay to be good? Does it pay to be good? Or we could emphasize that, but does it pay to be good? Or however you want to emphasize it. Let's pray and we'll get going. Father, bless now the reading of your word and the preaching to follow. We need your power, the boldness of the Holy Ghost to preach this message just the way that you'd have it done. We yield to you the best that we know how. We plead the blood of Jesus for our cleansing that we'd be a vessel fit for your use and that you would just use us to be a blessing to your people by the word of God. Help us now, Lord, please, please do, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing and please do be seated. If you heard last time when we were 
in verse uh, 30, uh, chapter 33, 34, I believe it was, uh, Elihu reminded Job of three claims that he had made while trying to answer those friends of his, you know, those good three friends of his that were just so kind to Job. Anyway, Elihu is addressing his mistake, Job's mistake in this chapter. And we looked at the, the first two last, last time we were together in the book of Job and tonight, Elihu defends God against the church of injustice, the, uh, the charge of injustice. So he does so by first reminding Job of the three statements that he made, the three statements. Job made a claim of righteousness. Job denied that he was guilty of any wrongdoing. Now, is that correct? Yes, yes, it was. No, no, I mean, he was a sinner saved by grace like you and me. But I mean, even, even God professed how good of a man Job was, wasn't he? I, absolutely. No, he was trying hard to live for God. He was doing right. He was praying. He was seeking God. He was doing things the way that God would have him to do it. Then he made a second claim, uh, and it was a claim of injustice. Because Job felt that he had done right by God, uh, but God had not done right by him. And so that's the way that Job was feeling at the time. And then the third claim was that there was no profit, get this, that there was no profit in having lived a good and godly life. I mean, it was kind of like, what good has it done to try to live for God? No, that's what Job said. I mean, what in the world? Why have I spent all of this time trying to do right and live for God? What good has it done? He made that, he made that claim. And not in so many words, but he did make that claim. So Elihu answers the final claim in this chapter. And in verse number three, we read it there. Elihu says to Job, for thou saidest, what advantage will it be unto thee? And what profit shall I have if I be cleansed from my sin? Now, if you remember, one of the charges that Satan had made against Job was that Job only did what was right because it paid to do so. He said, the only reason that Job, the only reason that Job's doing what he's doing is because you've been so good to him. Come on, that's what the devil said, said to God. The only reason that Job is doing what he's doing is because you've been so good to him and because you're blessing him the way you are, then he is following you. And, 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 uh, uh, we know that, uh, he said that if God was to remove his hand from Job and remove that hedge of protection from Job and, and stop all the blessing that Job was enjoying back at that time, that Job would curse God to his face. That's what the devil said to God. He would curse you to your face. But the devil was wrong. We know that because we read the book. The devil was wrong about that. And so when, with the permission of God, Satan destroyed everything that Job had, Job did what he had always done. He fell on his face and he worshiped God saying, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, one thing about this, that is the true reflection of Job's heart. No, he was able to do that because that was, was really in his heart. No, 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 I'm telling you, if he hadn't been a man that had been seeking God, if he hadn't been a man that had been, been doing what God would have him to do, he probably would have cursed God. He probably would have been upset. He probably, no, 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 I know that there's, well, I don't have time to go and preach the whole book again. You don't have time for that, do you? Anyway, I don't have time to go back that far, but I mean, he would have been, he would, this, he would not have answered God like that, but he did answer God like that. I mean, he just fell on his face and worship God. It was a true reflection of his heart. Had he not lived that way, if he, if, if he had not lived the way that he did, um, no, no, come on, come on, brain. He had not lived the way that he did just because it paid off. 
No, no, he, he wasn't doing right by God. He wasn't sacrificing like he should. He wasn't praying for his children and everyone else the way he should just because it paid off. Well, I'll do this because it'll pay off. If I keep up with this, everything's going to work out. But you think about it. By the end of his debate with his friends, which we've looked at, Job had accused God of treating him as if he had been a wicked man. No, Job accused God of that. I don't know, I, you just act like I'm in all types of wickedness. And so in his mind, in his mind, it had not paid off for him to be good. That's the way Job's thinking is right now. And it, and it came out in those last statements that Job made before Elihu started uh, saying what he has said along the way. So in this chapter, Elihu gives us three truths to think about to help us answer the question of whether or not it pays uh, to be good. Let's start with this. Don't do what God says just because you expect God to bless you. Now, it's a real good admonition. Don't do what God says to do just because you expect God to bless you. Well, I'm going to do this because I know that God's going to bless me for that. Look, Job's friends believe that there was a direct... Job's friends, the three friends, they believe that there was a direct vertical relationship between their actions and whatever they received from God. And so they believed that if they, if they did well, that God was bound to show them favor in their lives. And then when they did wrong, that God would be very quick to punish them. That was their mindset. Well, if I'm doing good, God's going to bless me. And if I'm doing wrong, God's going to punish me. I mean, that was the mindset of those friends. And because of that, they urged Job to get right with God, didn't they? Come on, over and over again. They urged Job, you need to get right with, with God, Job. Uh, and they, they urged him to do so. You can go back and read it. They urged him to do so for the benefits that he would see for doing that. If you'll just do this, God's going to bless you, Job. If you'll, just, if you'll just repent and you'll just confess, God's going to bless you, Job. Over and again, they told him that very thing. And, 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 and their religion was based upon the assumption that the action of God uh, towards them was totally dependent, get this, was totally dependent upon their conduct. Uh, okay, let me slow down and, and let's soak that in for a minute. What they thought and what they believed about God was based upon the assumption that the actions toward them was totally dependent upon their conduct. If I act good, God's going to treat me good. If I act bad, God's going to treat me bad. I mean, that, that was, no, no, it's cut and dried with them. There wasn't any other way. If I'm good, God will be good to me. If I'm bad, God's going to be bad. So that's, that's the way that they thought. Um, and, and by doing what they believed that God desired them, of them, they were convinced that they would uh, get from God what they desired of Him. If I do this, then God is going to bless me abundantly. If I'm acting the way that God wants me to, then God's just going to pour out His blessings on me. That's exactly the way that it's going to be. Now, Elihu declares that good and evil, get this, this is good. Elihu declares that good and evil primarily have a horizontal effect on our lives. It's not a vertical thing. It's a horizontal thing. What, what, what are you talking about, preacher? No matter how good or how bad a man might be, God will be just as much God as he ever has been. Okay. Our, our actions, I, I, okay, I want to get this across. Our actions do not alter God for the better or for the worse. God is the way he is always. 
Now, now we got to get this. Our sins cannot injure God or take anything away from God. Either way. No, no, look at verse 6 again. It says, if thou sinnest, what doest thou against him, against God? Or if thy transgressions be multiplied, what doest thou unto him? So our sins aren't going to injure God. Our sins aren't going to take anything away from God. And, and our goodness does not add anything to God that he did not already possess. It's not that way. Look at verse 7. If thou be righteous, what givest thou him? No, if you're being righteous, doing good, what, what are you giving to God? Or, or what receiveth of thine, uh, of, uh, he of thine hand? Look, only those who are around us, please, please get this. I feel like I'm flailing against the wind. Only those that are around us, only those that are around us can be directly affected by the conduct of our lives. Now, this is an important point. No man is an island. Our actions affect other people. Okay, our actions do not affect God. God is going to be God no matter what. Because nothing we do catches Him by surprise. If we're good, He's not caught by surprise. If we're bad, He's not caught by surprise. They're not, or no, our actions are not going to affect God. But our actions, the way that we live, can affect the people that we are around, can't they? No, He makes that pretty clear in verse number 8. Thy wickedness may hurt a man as thou art, and thy righteousness may profit the son of man. Um, it is absolutely foolish to only do good when we are convinced that we'll benefit from it, that we will benefit from it. It's foolish to only do good when we think we're going to benefit from it. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to live the way that God would have us to live but, because it's the right thing to do, because he saved our soul, because he put a new song in our heart, because he pulled us out of the muck and the mire of this world and set our feet upon a, mol- a solid rock, because he has established our goings, because he directs our path. Somebody say amen somewhere. I'm telling you, we're supposed to live the way that God would have us to live because God is good. And he's always good. And he's always right. And he's doing his best to direct us in a way that he would have us to go. We, we don't do good just because, you know, we might get blessed because we do good. And, and, and again, our actions are never going to injure God. Listen, our actions are never going to injure God, but they might hurt us. Or the people around us. <clears throat> I'll do what I want to and ain't going to hurt nobody but me. You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Come on. You can have influence on brothers and sisters. You can have influence on your children. You can have influence on nephews and nieces. You can have influence on uncles and aunts. You can have influence. Come on. We have a sphere of influence, don't we? Every one of us. Those friends, those people that you call friends, can you really say that you're a friend to them? Can you really say that you're doing your very best to live your life for God because you know that's what you should do and you know that God deserves for, for you to follow Him that He might direct your life, that, that, he, that He might use you in the way He wants to, that you not only will be blessed because of the way that you're living, but that you can be a blessing to those around you. I'm telling you, I no, no, husbands can affect wives and wives can affect husbands and on it can go, doesn't it? 
employees can, can, can affect employers and vice versa. Co-workers can affect one another. Live in the way that God wants us to live. But we have to get this. We cannot be guaranteed that living a life of righteousness will keep us from suffering. Come on, if we don't learn anything else out of the book of Job, we better learn this real good. There's a lot of people that have walked away from God, that have walked away from church because some suffering came along in their life and they just felt like I was doing everything I wanted to do, uh, that I was doing everything I was supposed to do for God and look what happened, look what he did to me. Now there's people sitting at home probably right now that should be in church. But because something happened along the way, they want to blame God for it. Just because we're living right, come on, come on, the book of Job teaches us, just because we're living right, it doesn't guarantee that we're not going to suffer along the way. But living right will produce the benefits that a sinful life never can. That's good preaching if I am doing it. So Elihu is not suggesting that uh, God's not interested in our conduct, because he is. Or or that that there's no blessedness to be found in good conduct, because uh, there is. I mean, the book of Psalm chapter 1 would would be swiftly, uh, would, come on brain, would swiftly correct our thinking on that. Psalm 1.1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Come on, the word of God is true or it's not. And I'm telling you, we walk the way that God wants us to walk. We're going to be blessed because of it. It's not no guarantee that we won't have to go through the fire somewhere. It's not no guarantee that we won't have to suffer somewhere. It's not no guarantee that we might suffer loss along the way. But it is a guarantee that we will prosper, if not any other way, spiritually. And that can be a great thing by itself. There's no doubt that a good life will be a blessed life. But some of those blessings may only come through trials. So... That brings us to this thought, Brother John. Expect God to show His goodness in your trials. Too many times we just want the trial to be over. And we're not prone to talk about how good God is until the trial is over. But that's not the way that God wants it to be. We should be willing to expect God to show His goodness in our trials. Uh, look, look, at, uh, look at verse 9 there. It says, By reason of the multitude of oppressions, they make the oppressed to cry. They cry out by reason of the arm of the, uh, of the mighty. But none saith, Where is God, my Maker, who... Who give us songs in the night. You know, God can give you a song in the night. He can give you a song in the darkness. 
He can give you a song in tribulation. No, no, no. He, 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 look, he, he can give you a reason for joy as you go through the sorrows. God can do that. He's well able to do that. You know why a lot of Christians' life are on like a roller coaster ride? Because as long as they're up here, man, God is good. But when they get down here, they don't know, I'm telling you, God's not so good to me now. But when they get back up here, it's like, man, God blessed us and we got out of that valley. And pretty soon they're another one. I don't know. God's in. I don't, I'm not, can't believe it. I don't know why God's done this to me. And they're back up here. And I mean, it just gets over and over and over again. I'm telling you, no, no, no matter how much our life goes like this, our spiritual life should be like this. I know it's not always that way, but it should be that way. Because God is trying to work. He is trying to do things. Great trials have caused many men, the godly and the ungodly, to cry out for help from God, haven't they? Come on, trials they go through, whether they're ungodly or they're godly, it's caused them to cry out to God, please God, help me in this situation, no, no matter what. But how many cry out to God and not for deliverance? Listen, how many cry out to God not for deliverance, but to cry out for Him to give them a song in the night? I would dare say, not many. Not many. We know that God miraculously delivered Paul and Silas from the Philippian uh, uh, jail. But before God did that, before he delivered them, he gave them a song in the night. At midnight, they sang praises unto God. God gave them that song. Well, how come? I think that God wanted a jailer to hear them sing in the midst of their sufferings. No, there was a jailer that needed to hear something. That could only be proved by God. And it could only be proved by those that were truly trusting God. He, he wanted, God wanted a witness of their faith that did not require them first to be rescued from their troubles. Somebody that could sing unto God in their troubles. And so God gave them this song in the night. Look, if we're not willing to trust God for His blessings in our trials, we may very well miss the good that God could have done. And I'm going to say that again. I want you to let it sink in. If we are not willing to uh, trust God during our trials, we may very well miss the good that God could have done if we had been trusting God through our trials. Don't let the trials blind you to the good that God is doing. Don't get to thinking that when you're in that valley, when you're going through the trials, that God's not there with you. He's always there with us. He's always there for us. And if we have to endure a night season, it's better to do it with a song in our heart rather than a heart that's steeped in bitterness. God, I just don't understand why you're taking me through this. And if you would just get me out of this valley, then I'll be happy again. Mercy, we ought to have the joy of the Lord no matter what we're going through. And that doesn't mean there might be some tears along the way. That doesn't mean that there might be even heartbreak going through those things. But still we can experience the joy that only God can give us if we are willing to trust Him through these things. Because see, God can teach you truths in your trials that cannot be learned any other way. They can't be learned any other way. 
Look at verse number 11 there. It said, who teacheth us, uh, who teacheth us more than the beast of the earth? And maketh us wiser than the fowls of heaven. There they cry, but none giveth answer. Because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not hear vanity. Neither will the Almighty regard it. So all nature, all nature, according to Romans chapter 8, and other places in the Bible, is subject to suffering. But not all of nature can learn from it. But we, who God created as humans, can learn from it if we will, if we so choose. We can learn from it. Let me read some scripture out of Romans chapter 8. Verse 20 says this. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected, uh, subjected the same in hope. Pardon me, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. So we need to receive the instruction that God may have for us in our trials just as gratefully as we would his deliverance. Because God is always at work. We need to receive the instruction that God has for us during trials just as greatly as we would the deliverance because God is at work. He's at work. I just don't know what God's doing in my life. Well, let me give you... No, no, look up here. Let me give you some assurance. God knows what He's doing in your life. He knows. He knows what He's trying to accomplish. And, and really, we can know that too if we keep our eyes upon Him, if we're trusting in Him. I, I mean, if we're going to, if we continue to do the things that we know that we should do because we are His children. On down in that same chapter of Romans, in, 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 in chapter 8, and there in verse number 28, we know that verse it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. All things work together for good. Chapter 8 in the book of Romans is all about suffering. Come on, you go home and read it yourself. It's all about suffering. And it's suffering, it's suffering in the, uh, for the effect of being conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to be more like Jesus. Okay, expect some suffering. No, I'm not trying to be ugly or funny or anything else. I, no, 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 I'm not trying to be a prophet of gloom and do. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, we want to be more like Jesus. Expect some suffering. There's not anyone that suffered more than he did. Come on, let's not get our eyes set on this new modernistic Jesus that never has any trouble for anybody. That never allows anybody to go through any trials or trouble. That it's all about dancing. It's all about, it's all about the good feeling music. It's all about the goosebumps and all that. Let's not, no, 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 no. I, I'm telling you, I can't find that Jesus anywhere in this book. I find a Jesus that says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. I, 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 see a Je- I, I see a Jesus that wants us to submit ourselves unto Him and His teaching that we can be more like Him. 
And sometimes, even as, I, even as I stated somewhere in this message already, sometimes it takes the suffering to get us to that place where we can be used in a greater way. Where we can understand the suffering of others in a greater way. Where we can be more empathetic and sympathetic in different situations when we're trying to help other people. Sometimes we have to go through it ourselves, don't we? Or we can't understand it at all if we, don't go through, if we don't go through it. But I'm telling you, no matter what we might go through, God is working for our good. If we love Him, if, if we're holding on to Him, we're trusting Him, He's trying to conform us, God is trying to conform us into the image of His Son. I'm telling you, those things will help us to get there. But when we're going through those trials, we need to be praying, God, please show me. Please help me. Lord, this is hard on my heart. It's hard on my life. I just just don't know how I'm going to make it through this, but I know that you're allowing it to happen, and I know that you have a purpose for it. So please, God, just work in me and show me, illuminate me by your word. I I mean, speak to me by by your Holy Spirit. Work in my life in such a way. If there's some things you want to purge out, Lord, I want that purged out. If there's some things that need to be added in, God, I want those things added in. No, that's the kind of purpose praying that we should be doing when we're going through those tough times and trials. Because sometimes God works on us during those times a lot more than He works on us during the mountaintop experiences. If we allow it. If we'll trust Him to. Come on, come on, come on, come on, okay. One purpose of a life of Faith is to learn what God wants to teach us through whatever circumstances He allows us to go through. We're living a life of faith. We're allowing God to teach us day by day. Monday may not be as good as Tuesday. Wednesday may take a turn for the worse, and then Thursday gets a little better. Or maybe Friday, Saturday, and even Sunday's not looking too good, but Monday the sun could come up and it could be a whole different situation, couldn't it? Come on, we, we serve a God, we serve a God that knows the, 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 the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end, and everything that's going to happen in between, we can trust Him. But we have to, no, no, we have to practice that. That is not something that comes natural. I, I'm telling you, Miss Gail, there's not, there, it's not always that I want to just start rejoicing every time something bad happens in my life. But then I've got to sit and I've got to talk to the Lord and I've got to ask Him to help me. In whatever situation. I need to learn what he's trying to teach me. I need to be who he wants me to be through that. And I just have to talk to him. I may not fully understand it. And I may not fully understand it all the way through it. There's been things that have happened in my life, Brother Aaron, that I've not understood until some years later. But God was working. He was working through it all. And I know this, the more that I trust Him, the more He does in my life. We definitely need to believe that, that God can solve our problems. But we also need to learn that He can uh, sustain us as we go through those problems. It's not necessarily that God wants to just automatically pull you out of the depths of, of the valley. Sometimes He keeps us there for a time that we might learn. 
Yes, he can deliver us. But also he can see that we make it through. God's not indifferent toward the cries of his people. He loves us so very much. But he is resistant. It it tells us here, he is resistant toward the cries of the prideful. Uh, No, no, those that refuse to trust are those that think they can handle everything on their own. He is resistant toward those. Come on, come on. It's it's like, uh, okay, God, no problem. I got this one. I got this one. He said, okay, we'll just see how you can handle it. I'll be here when you decide you can't. Come on, that's our God. No, 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 no. The more faith and, and trust we put in Him, the more He does in our life. When we back off and, and, and start thinking that we can handle things on our own, we are on our own. No, He's still there. He's watching over. It's not like He's left. But we are, I mean, we're there. I, I'm telling you, the more that we humble ourselves before God and the more that we, we call upon Him and, 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 and seek Him and trust Him, I'm telling you, the more that He can do in our lives. We tend to want to back off. Look, if God is not answering your prayer for deliverance, it may be a sign that um, you need to change your prayer and ask for God's instruction. Lord, I don't know why you don't get me out of this. Well, maybe you need to pray something like, Lord, would you show me what to do that you can work in my life in such a way that I can learn from this so that we can go on with life? You ever failed a test? Too many times you have to take it again. And it's that way with God at times. God's trying to teach you something, you fail the test, you have to take it again. There's a lot of people that are stuck just because they can't pass the test. Well, where do I find these answers? He tells us how to handle things. He tells us how to endure. Come on, endure hardness as a good soldier. Does that sound like a life of ease to you? I'm thankful for the, I'm thankful for the ease that God gives us at times. I, I, I'm, I'm thankful that there are times that God gives me days that it just seems like He has got me protected from everything on the outside. And it's just like, glory to God, coffee tastes better today. And I'm thankful for those times when troubles aren't looming. I'm very grateful for those times. But I know this for a fact. Even when it's those days that it seems like it's coming from all directions against us, God's still there. And He's still working. And He's still trying to get me somewhere. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. Very, very, very thankful for that. So, we'll... we'll, we'll We'll, we'll, we'll stop with this. Yes, do right because it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. Do right because it is the right thing to do. Do right till the stars fall. Come on, do right. Do right. But uh, trust God for the outcome. Whatever He wants in this. We may not always see at that time what God is doing in our trials, but we can always trust Him. We can always trust Him. Besides, the important thing is not that you can see God in your trials. 
The important thing is to know that God sees you in your trial. He's got his eye on you. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're suffering. We may not always understand what God is up to in our trials, but we can always trust Him. And the important thing, once again, is not to... It's not that we're able to understand what God is up to. The important thing is to know that God has everything under control and He has a purpose for everything He is allowing. Our God does nothing by chance. Jeremiah 17, 7 says this, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Psalm 37, 3 says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Trust in the Lord and do good. Look, there's plenty of benefits to living a godly life. But when Job faltered, he lost sight of that. <laughs> and that's why Elihu did not preach a sermon on the on the the, the fifteen benefits of living for God. If you don't get anything else, get this. Job didn't need reasons for being good so much as he needed a renewed confidence in God's goodness. He needed a renewed confidence in God's goodness. He had lost sight of God's goodness. But God is always good. And God is always right. He needed to be reminded that God was the same when life was good and when life was hard. God is just as faithful in the storms of life as He is when everything is sunshine and roses. And when we learn to trust in the goodness of God... We will have all the reason that we need to do good, as the psalmist described. No, I'll say it again. When we, when we learn to trust in the goodness of God, we will have all the reason that we need to do good, as the psalmist described why are you trying so hard to live for God because God is good why are you trying so hard to live for God it just seems like everything's falling apart around you well I'm doing it because God is good and he knows what's going on and I'm trusting him even though it looks like things are falling apart I'm just going to continue to put my faith and trust in him don't do good just because you think it pays no, 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 no. Expect God to be good to you in every circumstance of your life. 
whether it looks good or bad. Do good because it is the right thing to do and then just trust God for the outcome. Just keep doing right. Well, if I do this, maybe God will, stop, stop, you can't deal with God. You don't bargain with God. God's doing what God's going to do. He had this plan all laid out before you were ever born. Do right because it's the right thing to do. And then just trust God for the outcome. I do know this. The more that I try to do right in the sight of God, the more I learn and the shorter it seems that the trials are at times. Now, I'm not just doing right to get out of the trial. But I'm telling you, it's a great thing when you come through the other side and go, oh, mercy, thank you, Lord. I'm thankful for what I learned for that, through that. I mean, even the Bible says the trying of your faith work is patience. If nothing else, we gained a little patience out of the deal. We've done good, haven't we? Yeah. Does it pay to be good? Oh, absolutely so. But we don't do good to get paid. We do good because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you're always working in our life, no matter what it might, no matter no matter how it may how it may seem to us, and no matter we, whether we understand why we're having to go through what we go through. And so many times we let our feelings and emotions creep in, and we've been trying hard to live for you, and we're hit with some trial. And then we want to try to discern why this is going on when we have done what we should do. Father, help us to trust you more. Help us to learn through every storm we go through. Help us to be dependent upon you to show us the way and to sustain us as we go through those dark tunnels, as we're down deep in the valleys. Help us by giving us a song in the night that with the joy of the Lord we can sing unto you even though things seem helpless at the time. Father, help us to trust you that much. Thank you for what the book of Job is teaching us. I pray that, uh, Lord, we'd be the better for it. Bless now this time of invitation. I pray, Lord,